We have won a great victory. We have destroyed a malignant evil that has walked this earth in the form of a man for the last 2,000 years. People do not cheer us. People do not even know we exist. But we know the battle we fight. We know the evil we must destroy. I would like to send you back to your homes, to your lives. But our work here is not finished. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we watch a different episode of Highlander the series and talk about it in detail. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, I'm Keith. I'm Kyle. This is Eamon. We're going to kick it off with another bit of interesting reader mail here. Uh, This comes from Dominic S., who's one of our international followers, and he wrote to us about the episode Lady and the Tiger to let us know that... There, uh, in Germany, it translated Zirkusluft, which translates roughly to circus flare. <laughs> also, he points out that it would have been funny if Amanda had called Mac Tiger at some point, which also would have had like, a nice little Spider-Man feel to it. But yeah, that's really cool. Uh, also, just to tease something that's coming up, we recently had the chance to, to sit down with someone involved in the creating of the show and talk a little bit about what it was like to create a show for an international market and the different countries that were involved in that. So we think it's really interesting when we can hear little tidbits of what Highlander was like in other countries. So if you've got any knowledge about that, keep them coming. We'd love to hear it. Uh, So to jump into this week's episode, this is episode number 22, The Hunters. This is the season one finale, so we're wrapping up uh, this season with a bang, I think. Uh, This first aired May 22nd, 1993. It was directed by Paolo Barsman. Um, He did a recent episode, which was Avenging Angel, which we definitely had mixed feelings about in the Highlander rewatched booth, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the writer on this episode was Kevin Droney. He's back. He's the guy that did Mortal Kombat, Wing Commander, some yeah. classics. He did, uh, what did he do? Family Tree, Bad Day in Building A. Mm-hmm. Some other ones that are... <laughs> uh, the guest stars... There's no Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but... <laughs> True. Uh, guest stars of this episode, Peter Hudson as James Horton. Um, he's a new character um, that we're going to see down the road uh, some more. Spoiler alert. Um, He does uh, 12 episodes of Highlander, I believe. Great. Though, do we actually hear his name in this episode? Not once. uh, Interesting. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. So he's the main guy? Main 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 baddie. Yeah. And also, it stars Roger Daltrey as Hugh Fitzcairn. Yeah. Um, Of course, he's the singer and founder of The Who. Uh, But he's another series regular in this, and I think knocks it out of the park. Yeah. He he crushes it. Yeah. Would not have even come close to expecting he'd be as good as he was it's great uh so the imdb episode description duncan receives a visit from an old friend the immortal hugh fitzcairn fitzcairn informs him that several immortals have gone missing recently and that he thinks some something isn't right when darius is killed spoiler alert for the episode uh in his church they know that uh it isn't uh the work of another immortal so they vow to avenge darius by finding who is responsible here's another thing about that on hulu the episode description also spoils that Darius is murdered. Wow. Keith and Kyle, you are more familiar with the show than I am. Like, I, I found out Darius is killed, but just watching this, like, as a kind of newish person to the show, because I only watched it when I was a kid, I was like, that's a big spoiler, like, to just be revealed it's in the huge. episode description. Like, and you don't see it coming at all. This yeah. is. And he's a regular. He's one of the most beloved characters probably in, in the Highlander series. I mean, that's. That's big. I mean, yeah. it is shocking. Yeah. And I don't remember what I thought the very first time I saw this episode, but very sad to see this character go. Definitely. Yeah. This episode opens up with Duncan and Tess getting a, getting a business going. <laughs> Whatever, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> yeah, they're trying to incorporate a business for yeah. the new... They're doing for, paperwork? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're doing some 
rolling around in the, the sheets there. Yeah, which um, is a pretty common a roll in the hay. Yeah, common yeah. opening for this show so far. Yeah, and he gets a buzz while they're they're doing all this. And I was wondering if this is supposed to be a callback to the gathering, which is the pilot, which opens essentially in the same manner with like the side boob interrupted by <laughs> the buzz. Yeah. Also, he gets a literal buzz kill. <laughs> ah, very good. I don't get it. <laughs> well, you see, when a man when a man loves a woman, they do a special dance. It turns out that at the door is, in fact, Roger Daltrey, who is just ogling. Like, his eyeballs yep. are about to fall out of his face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tess is a, a lovely woman, but sure. he's, he's really staring her down. He's yeah. Staring. And Duncan's like, all right, can you get out of here and I'll catch up with you in a second? <laughs> well, there's some really good dialogue here. Like, I think this is a really well-written, like, very short scene. Like, it sets up a lot of stuff. Like, so Hugh is staring at Tess. Duncan gets to the door with a sword, and he's like, oh, is that, like, sword for me? He's like, well, it, it is if you don't stop staring. He's like, oh, and then there's some more, like, funny dialogue about, oh, like, uh, I guess Tess had heard about Hugh before, and she's like, oh, I've heard about you, and he's like, oh, I'm brave, too. Did you, did you hear about that? Like, he starts kind of, like, hitting on her and, like, schmoozing it up a little bit. Uh, so I, I feel like this sets up a really great, like, I, I get their relationship, Hugh and Duncan's almost right away like right. i feel i'm like oh they're friends like i buy into it uh and part of that is i think roger daltrey's like really great performance like he kind of oozes charm he's also dressed like doctor who or something yeah that's <laughs> what i was gonna which say yeah he looks exactly <laughs> like doctor who well particularly doctor who i don't know which doctor it is i kind of was thinking about you know the flashback that they have with uh Gabrielle Paton in Eye of the Beholder. One of those things where it's like, okay, I'm invested in this relationship a little bit now based on this. It was a, it was like quick work to get you there. And I thought that was, that was nice. Yeah, definitely. So then they're up on the roof of the barge drinking ostensibly mead. Yeah, they say it's mead and Darius, I guess, brews it. It is definitely not mead, though. Like, <laughs> this looks like not. beer. It looks like they're drinking beer. So, what is the? T- tell us about mead, Kyle. So, mead is like a fermented honey product, but it's more akin to like a sweet white wine than to like. It looks like they're drinking like a lager. It's very <laughs> yeah. dark. The kind of glasses they poured themselves is like you guys are getting wasted. Yeah, like, they have a, like a full pitcher. Yeah, like <laughs> they've drank a lot of that. You drink a pint of mead. It's like you just had like three glasses of wine. Basically, and they look like they're pounding them. <laughs> it's so, a shame we lost Darius now that craft brewing is really popular. That's true. <laughs> yeah, he would have made a killing <laughs> yeah. for the Abbey and his secret society of good guys that we haven't heard much about lately. No, who knows what yeah, they're up to. His secret good guy team don't show up in this episode at all. Well, We're after I can only give that graveyard speech so many times in. True. Band of brothers. <laughs> Once the speech is over, it's just like, what now? And Fitz has some more good lines about Darius. He's like, I don't understand him being a priest. He's like, I get the religion and everything, but he's like, giving up women? It's like, he's mad. Fitz is obviously kind of a, a, a womanizer. And I buy it more from him than from Gabriel Patone. Because like, <laughs> yeah. Roger is like actually effectively charming. I found Patone just kind to of be, be sleazy. A, to be a creep. He's like a yeah. human roofie, whereas this guy, a I buy it. A human roofie. <laughs> Uh, so the reason Fitz is visiting Duncan is because, I guess he's in the neighborhood, he wants one to visit his friend Thackeray, and, but a, a lot of his friends have gone missing recently, three of them, but yep. Duncan's like, oh, it's the time of the gathering, like, I would expect some of these people would maybe go missing, but he's like, oh, right. three at once, that's too many, so, yeah. it's also weird because this is definitely, we've talked about this a lot, like, how many immortals are there, how often do you run into each other? Well, there's one a week. One a week, right. Uh, but this seems to hint at kind of there are more, maybe also because it's written by Kevin Droney, like an earlier interpretation where, you know, these sort of encounters weren't that frequent. Right. Mm-hmm. So it would be very eyebrow raising for three of them to go missing. Yeah. Also, just to pause this again, I love the name Set Thackeray. It's pretty good. <laughs> and I would like to see this character in a flashback. I don't think that happens, mm. but it seems like a kind of breadcrumb that could be picked up later. And I think if I was seeing this for the first time, I'd be like, oh. Yeah, that would have been a great... Oh, are we going to get to see, like, the three of these guys together at some point? Or or even like just that. Thackeray and Hugh just doing their own buddy thing. Some fact fiction. <laughs> uh, but Darius, I guess, had been speaking about Thackeray recently. He's like, oh, he had a dream. And Hugh's like, oh, what was it about? And Duncan's response is, oh, you know, this, that. Mostly about his death. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> this is like, they make three or four references into this about Darius having premonitions or something yeah. like that. What is this about? Like, because they almost seem to be buying into it. That like, yeah. 
he has some kind of mystic fortune-telling ability, and I don't quite know what that's all about. So Hugh was meeting Thackeray, and I don't really know if this has something to do with the episode, because Thackeray said he had something that he's never seen before. Yeah, I'm assuming maybe it's a book. It's, yeah, right. a chronicle. Maybe not the same one. I think it is the same The one. same one? I think, okay. I think we're, we come to find out that uh, a group of mortals is looking for a book called The Fifth Chronicle. And it looks like Darius might have gotten it from Set Thackeray, and now they are kind of systematically going after anyone who may have gotten their hands on this book. I think right. that's what we're supposed to assume. So, <laughs> somebody else. Okay. <laughs> so then, then we see some kind of like I don't know, almost like B-roll of Darius just kind of milling about the Abbey doing nothing in particular. And then we cut to a kind of a mysterious crew of people that rolls in on the church. So this just looks like a bunch of like college professors uh. on a field trip <laughs> or librarians or something. Like they pull up in a minivan and they're a nerdy bunch. So yeah. and they've all got like elbow patches on their jackets. Yeah. And- this is the least intimidating group of like villains that has ever been on the show, and they like <laughs> accomplish like one of the most dastardly deeds in right. this season. <laughs> and I'm just like, there's some weird dissonance or whatever you want to call it going on yeah. with this group. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. These don't. These aren't like the over the top villains in other episodes, like that look like villainous or well, they, are threatening in yeah. any way. Like they're over the top later in a different, in a few different ways. <laughs> but here, I'm just like, so are these guys like auditors? Like I don't know. Like. <laughs> And just the choice of the Vinny minivan, like, I can't get over that minivan. Yeah, it's not even, like, a creepy, like, white molester yeah. van. It's, like, let's go to soccer practice. That's yep. right. Someone call Chewbacca, somebody call Han Solo and fight about it. Van. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, back at the barge, Duncan, I guess, gets worried and calls Darius, and Darius doesn't answer. Well, here's the thing, uh, when the, the suits go into the the church when they're walking towards Darius's office there is a phone ringing oh yeah so they they set this up but it's very like pieced together interesting because like, i'm guessing they didn't have did we say this no <laughs> we haven't tackled this issue so Werner stocker unfortunately has he passed away before this episode or became ill before became this episode? extremely ill he had like a brain tumor like an embolism yeah i guess he didn't tell anybody about it and Right the day before they were supposed to start shooting, he fell so ill that he was unable to do the shoot. Right. Uh, so this is all like written overnight by David Abramowitz to like re-piece this episode together in right. some way. So they actually use stock footage. Like the footage we saw of Darius walking around, that's from t- uh, For Tomorrow We Die. I'm assuming like the phone call, like that's some Foley that's added later, that sort of yeah. stuff. But anyway, right. So, so Mac and Hugh are calling and he doesn't answer, so... So they figure something's up and wrong, right. and so they're like, we gotta go. And so <laughs> Roger Daltrey runs up the stairs and, yeah. and trips. trips. He up trips. The steps. And it's another one of the, these weird instances in this show where it's like, take two? Question mark? <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. Like, let's keep going. Here's the thing about Daltrey in this episode is he's a phenomenal actor, but his physicality leaves a lot to be desired, which I can't blame him. Like, he might not just be a stunt trained guy but he's doing a lot of tripping and stumbling <laughs> and <laughs> i think that's kind of part of the, i think they work that into the character honestly sure oh, that yeah. he's like a little bit bumbling but somehow makes it on like charm and cunning yeah in yeah. Some that, way, hair? I, that hair that <laughs> hair because i think that's even present in the flashbacks because mm-hmm. we see a sure. nice flashback of the two of them and duncan of course is dunkening the crap out of everybody and Hugh's kind of bumbling around and i think he gets stabbed at one point yep and he also trips in that flashback too <laughs> yeah i think i think that's i think that's supposed to be part of the charm interesting duncan and Hugh head out to the uh church there's an interesting bit of buzz talk here because they're outside the gate and duncan is like i don't feel him so he must have some like duncan is aware of whatever proximity you're supposed to have right to, to sensing a mortal and for i guess out, i mean this is pretty far away if Darius is inside the church. Yeah. And he's outside the gate. Like, that's a good, what, 100 feet? Yeah. Probably. So. I think that's a really effective, ominous use of that. Like, it's like, oh shit, we don't feel his buzz. Like, what's up? He's either gone or. Right. And as we find out, he's, he never leaves the church. So they go right. in. And should we play this clip of. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And we should put this up on Facebook too, because oh. it is righteous. So Duncan is walking into the church. They this is a great shot too because uh, it's like a low panning shot of 
all the chairs. Some of them are neat, neatly, you know, lined up, and then you sl- slowly see that they're all like toppled over. So there's been a struggle. And then in the foreground, we see Darius's body. And Duncan runs up. Darius! Darius! Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. All I could think, like, when Duncan just throws his head in the air and yells, is like the, the Kevin Sorbo clip where he accidentally reads a stage direction. I just yells <laughs> disappointed into the air. <laughs> disappointed! <laughs> Darius! It's pretty good. Yep. That's good. I had a big laugh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's really intense, I guess. and it's It looks like a Marvel Comics cover from like the classic era. Yeah, like, like Spider-Man on the cover, yeah. yelling, yeah. Or whatever. Everything's on fire. That was Maximum Carnage. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so Darius is Deadius. Yeah, I'm sad. Darius, Deadius. It's pretty. It's it's unfortunate. I'm like sorry to see this character go because this character is great. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny about this character is like I I definitely am super sad to see him go, and I think everyone is like everyone's like this is a huge loss for the series. Like this this was such a great character. He's in four episodes. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like it doesn't seem like he's in so few, but like I think that's a testament to how great. Werner Stocker is the writing of the character, like and and the like the the stuff that this character brings to the the show. Like well, he, he think, brought a lot for only yeah. four episodes. I think he brings more genuine performances out of Adrian Paul, also. And I don't know if that's just their chemistry or direction or writing, but I definitely bought into their relationship immediately. Yeah, and Werner Stocker's just got—I don't know exactly what his accent is. I guess he's he's German. But he's just got, like, a really compelling voice. Like, just the yeah. way he speaks is kind of naturally attention-getting. He ends up having some good exchanges with Duncan. He's got kind of a good checkered past that's kind of grabs the imagination. Yeah, him and Duncan actually have, like, real conversations. Whereas, yeah. like, I feel like Duncan and Tess, Tess used to be kind of Duncan's... The person he would, like, confide in or whatever previously. But it would usually just be Duncan telling her something. He'd be like, oh, this happened, and this is... I'm gonna do this. And, like, I never felt like they talked about anything, really. But this is, like, much more of a back and forth, I think, with Darius. Yeah, and it's good to have someone who's both wiser than Duncan. Because sometimes we, this should, we've talked about it falling through the trap where, like, Duncan just knows things. This gives, like, another outlet for him to have discovery without it having to come from him. He's a good sounding board. I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff here. There's also a weird line here. When Duncan gets back, like, he he talks to Fitz about this. He's like, oh, Darius didn't believe his premonition. And it's this whole line is, like, read a little differently. It's like, wait, the premonition was about Darius's own death? Not yeah, about Thackeray's? I thought Thackeray's? it was about Thackeray's death. Exactly. Yeah. And so, when, apparently, so I, I was like, what is this about? So I checked the script, and again, there's some lines cut. Mm. And that line earlier was, that when you think it's about Thackeray's death, it, that's supposed to be Darius having a premonition about his own death, but they cut those uh, lines. Hmm. Uh, but then in this, they, they leave that kind of element here. Yeah. So Darius had a premonition about his own death. This might be picky, <laughs> but during this conversation, because they're talking about how did someone kill Darius, Hugh says, no immortal would kill him here. He doesn't say no immortal could kill him here. Yep. He definitely, it's a, it's a W, he says would. So this just reintroduces this question of what the convention of holy ground really is. Because that implies that it's a custom. He, right. Right, the, the use of would that, you know, an immortal could kill him there, but would not do so. Yeah. Whereas he doesn't say it's impossible. Right. I don't know, just and- another... No, definitely, and that's that's certainly very intentional because uh, jumping a little bit ahead, there's an, another scene where Duncan is talking to Tess about what happens, and he says a very very similar thing. He says, "Even the most evil of us wouldn't desecrate holy ground, not couldn't, but wouldn't again." So they they've used that 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 word twice, and so I still think that it's just magic, and they can't do it. I'm still very comfortable with that interpretation. I would prefer that interpretation. I also would prefer that interpretation. And yeah, I do think too. the show stays consistent with it. Yeah. Like, we never actually see, to my knowledge, someone truly break it that well, I know of. This this holy ground thing always makes me go back to Slan the Cat. I'm like, there's no reality, and I feel like Slan would adhere to this rule if he didn't have to. Like, yeah. He's so evil. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah what, what's stopping him from having so this one evil. thing he wouldn't break? Right. Like, 
Yeah, he's willing to rearrange Tess's face with a buzz saw, but like killing someone in a church, mm, yeah, he would absolutely right. do it. And even in the movie, do you think the Kurgan, except that of playing with the victim, would care about Holy Ground unless he couldn't actually do it? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So back on the barge, Richie shows up and he's like, hey, oh. <laughs> he comes in not knowing what's, what's happening. He's like, oh, would somebody uh, die here? Big star. Yeah, yep. big star. And. Of course, someone has. And he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry, guys. Can't but, do anything to him. Yeah. <laughs> Duncan just kind of whispers it in his ear. Yeah, he, like, brings him in close, and he's yeah. like, hey. He's just like, hey, uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, so they start bringing up some questions at this point. Uh, Hugh, Hugh's wondering, like, how did this murder happen? Like, how did they know who Darius was? How did they know to behead him? There's all these kind of hanging questions in the air. Right. Uh, so they're off to kind of see if they can find answers. Uh, so they go back to they're they're going to go back to Hugh's hotel room to look for his notes from his conversation with Thackeray. Back at Fitz's hotel, uh, there's some goons like staking the place out, and they end up, I guess, kind of ambushing. Yep, Duncan and Fitz, and there's a big kind of chase scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goons run away, and Duncan and Fitz are in hot pursuit. That's right. So they escape in the minivan again. But Duncan's hot on their trail and kind of pulls one out of the minivan before they can slide the door shut. Can we call this the turtle van? Yes. For, yeah. reasons, that are, <laughs> for reasons that are coming up with their choice of weapons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll save it for then. But yeah. from now on, it's the turtle van. So, also, it shoots pizzas. That's right. <laughs> this is the second time we talked about Ninja Turtles on this show. Yeah. Hmm. Soft spot for people our age, I think. What's your favorite turtle, Kyle? Uh, probably Raph. Eamon. Used to be Donatello. Now I also think it's Raphael. Yeah, Donatello's like the, the safe answer. Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I also actually used to like Donatello when I was yeah. a kid. I liked that he was like brainy and I liked his bow staff. I liked but, his bow staff. That yeah. was the uh, but then I think I'm also more of a, a Raph guy. All right, you guys are a bunch of followers. I'm changing it. <laughs> no, it's like we're unified here in our <laughs> turtle answer. In our turtle power? Yeah. Woohoo. What, what are one of your favorite characters from Dimension X? <laughs> Uh, it's got to be Krang, obviously. All right. Mine used to be <laughs> whatever, but now it's Krang. I can't name any other characters. From <laughs> I, I don't know. That girl in the flying convertible that one episode. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of weird stuff. What are we talking about? So, <laughs> Duncan, <laughs> so Duncan and this goon get in a, a, a bra. Yep. And Duncan eventually, well, the guy pulls a knife on Duncan. Mm-hmm. But Duncan, I guess, subdues the guy. But before he can do anything else, the guy, like, stabs himself. Like, he'd rather die than talk to Duncan. Right. Right. And right before he does it, he notices a tattoo that almost looks like a little bird in a circle, almost, on his wrist. Which, Mm -hmm. we'll come to find out eventually, is the Watcher symbol. Right. So, we get a flashback to Florence, Italy, 1639. And Duncan and Fitz are hanging out. Uh, They have some amazing outfits. There's actually a lot of... This this Mm -hmm. whole flashback is... Pretty solid. It's a good yeah. setting. It looks, you know, it looks, looks legit. authentic. Yeah. yeah. So they're here because they had to bring the Duke there, the Duke di Milano. Yeah. Um, but good cookies. <laughs> yeah. Pepperidge Farm. Mm-hmm. But Duncan, I guess, wants to stay around the city because he wants to Duncan the Duke's daughter. Duncan's the Duke's daughter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the Triple D. Also, this is interesting. Duncan is the Duke's food taster. Oh, is that mentioned? They do mention that, that someone's tried to poison him a couple times already. Which also, food taster, pretty good job for an immortal. That's a good one. I I really like that detail. That was really good. But then, as they're walking, you just hear, Nah, death to the Duke! (laughs) Yeah. And the three musketeers attack uh, Duncan and Fitz. So this fight goes on, as we discussed earlier. Hugh, not the best fighter. Yeah. He's a little lucky that Duncan has been... Helps him out here, but like he even gets stabbed by one of these guys. Yep. But along the way, someone along the one they gave money to a beggar, mm-hmm. and it turns out that beggar follows them and gets hit by a stray knife. <laughs> it's like the trope where someone gets hit by a stray bullet, only yeah. somebody decided to throw like a weighted throwing knife and mm-hmm. accidentally hits this guy. And then Duncan examines his corpse and finds a pendant that has the same symbol as the dude's tattoo. So there's a connection here. Yeah, so Duncan's seen this before. So back in the present, he realizes there's this connection with the tattoo and this thing he's seen in the past. Right. Um, sadly, though, he goes looking for Fitz. They split up while mm-hmm. they're 
chasing this van or chasing these goons, uh, Duncan finds Fitz's pipe on the ground. So presumably the goons have Fitz. That's right. So he goes back to the barge and he's like frantically researching about this symbol. And he definitely seems like he's at the end of his rope here. Yeah, he's freaking out. And Tess, I guess, is getting frustrated and doesn't know how to help either. Mm-hmm. And she's like sanding a piece of art or something. Yeah. She's doing something with one of her metal sculptures, which we haven't seen in a while. Right. And she cuts herself. Mm-hmm. To which her response is just to blow on it for what yep. seems like forever. Yep. <laughs> like is she is she soldering something? Maybe she's burnt, or is it a cut? It's, it's a, cut. a cut. Yeah. Oh, okay. Weird. Around this so, time, I noticed that every Hulu commercial. I don't know if anyone can comment on this. Every Hulu commercial I was getting was either for a diet or a weight loss product, and I didn't know what to make of that. This is when I noticed this fact after like the last three episodes I had seen. It was all for daily burn and like the Bowflex machine and all this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, sure yeah. if that was targeted at me or targeted at Highlander. <laughs> no, I, I got him too. I was like, what is the what is going on here, Hulu? You're making me feel self-conscious. I know it was just the holidays, but nah. <laughs> that daily burn guy's too sassy. I don't like him. <laughs> He's like, now you don't have any excuses. Don't tell me what I have. Yeah, maybe I'm okay with how I look, which is great. <laughs> uh, so Duncan has some like Batman logic genius moment here, and he's yeah. like, the rectory. He's like, it, they're looking for a book. Like, well, no, I think t- he realizes that Tessa says something that, like, if it was something important, why wouldn't Darius have told you? And he puts together like, oh, maybe he, maybe Try- he is trying to. Maybe or? he wanted to. Maybe there was something that he wanted to tell me. And he also says like the place was kind of tossed, so maybe they were maybe they were looking for something and didn't find it. Right. right. So he goes to Darius's old quarters, and you know he's, he's this is kind of a nice shot because they they kind of show all the things in his office that we've seen in episodes, like the chessboard and the weird green light and all right. that stuff. Book on Napoleon. Right. And the tea. <laughs> the tea. Tea. I hate tea. <laughs> it's an old mold form. <laughs> yeah. So we get the we get treated to a montage here, uh, which features Queen. They're finally back in this. And guys, who wants to live forever? That's right. Who? I would. Yeah, mm. me too. Yeah. Okay. In, a, in a second. The answer, <laughs> this is not a hard question. Yeah, Queen. Not exa- Not exactly asking life's questions. The answer is yes. <laughs> Uh, but this song is great, and it's like kind of a cute montage. It's very long, though. It yeah. is a little long, and I think it's partly out of the fact that they had so little like footage to work with. Like, yeah, well, so this- they, they're like, we have to just play whole scenes. Like, we can't cut much together. So, right, yeah. So it's like the entire flashback of them meeting, <laughs> <Yep>. the entire <laughs> mold form discussion. <laughs> Uh, also, the confir- Waterloo. Yeah. Also, confirmation they are in fact sitting yeah. the wrong way on the chessboard. I've never seen someone play chess right to left. Well, you mentioned that, and yeah, definitely. I noticed it this time too. And I was like, oh man, so weird. <laughs> yeah, why, why are you doing that? So then Duncan is playing with a globe. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of finds a book. I think later they give an explanation as well, to how he Well, he sees, like, it. a piece of cloth, which turns out to be his, like, clan colors. Yeah, they explain that, like, 15 minutes later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but and yeah, it's, like, it's, sticking out of a rock, like it's been yeah. wedged in the wall. When it initially happens, it's like, what? Why? Like, uh. So there's a book behind it, and that's yep. got... The book has the same symbol as the tattoo. Yep. So while this is happening... Tess is walking the streets of Paris, mm-hmm. and there's this mystery man watching her. The librarian gang is hot on her trail. Right. And they have a new addition to their gang, a man on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> so him and Horton, uh, and, and Horton is like, again, he is never mentioned by name in this episode. Yeah. And those, uh, those out there who have seen the entirety of the series know that he has a name, uh, and th- they knew it in this episode. I checked the credit, like in the credits, he is listed as Horton. Hmm. Um, so it's not like they were like, "Oh, we'll deal with this later." Like they knew who he was, um, but he's like the head of. He's the splinter of this gang. Yeah. <laughs> so he pretends to kind of save her from this bicycle dude, and it's all a ruse because he wants to see what the deal is with her hand because she has a bandage on it, and he's like, "Oh, let me see your hand. I'm a doctor," and he just like rips the bandage off and yeah. sees that it's still cut. Right. Um, so I guess they were trying to see if she was immortal or right. not. Although I think having a bandage on would give that away. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I mean, it could be for show or who knows. Um, but right. Because they, they can't determine who's immortal or not, which is a question I think Fitz raises mm-hmm. earlier that, you know, they're not getting a buzz, obviously. So Right. So they have to do some digging. I think right. the logic is that it would have, maybe you would put a bandaid on immediately, but it, it would eventually heal. 
Right. So you wouldn't have like a open wound necessarily, even if you bandaged it. So then Duncan and Tessa have an almost incomprehensible conversation, which is the next piece of this puzzle. Somehow. Yeah. So she she's revealing to Duncan that like, oh, it must have been them. Like they were following me. I didn't know all day. And so then this happens. Who's Richie? At the antique dealer, Rue de Moineau. I wanted to go, but he insisted. Huh? Why? What? So <laughs> at the it's antique so... dealer, brrr. <laughs> she says. Uh, at the antique dealer, Rue de Nemo, I wanted to go, but he insisted. Like, these words rhyme with each other. Yep. It's really, I, I had to listen to this like four times to figure out what the hell she was talking about. So that's good. So <laughs> I think that's amazing. So Duncan goes to see this antique dealer, and then... Well, this is funny because Richie, they're, they're, they like kind of switch places. Like, Richie is actually on his way out. Right. And I found, like, this is odd, because Richie's leaving, there's a goon there watching him, Mm -hmm. who does not follow him where he's going. Right. And also doesn't attack him. Like, the whole crux of this is, like, Duncan's worried. He's like, oh, he's going into the antique store. Like, you are a target, so is Richie. Right. I bet he's in danger. Not true. Like, they don't attack Richie at all. Like, maybe they're they're still following him. Well, they, but they didn't. Yeah. Well, that one guy we just that. That the, one guy just stood there. He yeah, that one guy. As we come to find out, there's a whole team of like eight of these dudes. Maybe he's just passing it on to the next guy to follow him. I guess. But then he just hung out there for a while. It's like when he just leave at that point. He's like, oh, Richie left. He's like, I guess my work here, here is, done. is done. Maybe it's the end of his shift. Maybe. Well, Duncan also made him, so he probably. So there's a pretty great scene here where Duncan Duncan misses Richie. He's at the antique store. He sees this guy who looks suspicious. So he starts questioning him, and I thought this was a kind of a great use of Duncan's immortality and, I guess, vast knowledge, that he knows all these languages. So he asks, mm-hmm. starts asking him, like, do you speak English? Like, you know, German, and he goes through, like, the whole thing. He's even like, ni xiao zhang minwa, which is, how about Chinese? <laughs> this is this is pretty great. Yeah. So he's following this guy, and this dude kind of starts walking away and leads Duncan into this, like, courtyard area. And some guy strolls up... <laughs> And just, like, pulls a sword out of his, like, tweed jacket. (laughs) This is amazing. Everything about this is so good. So, these... The librarian gang, like, jumps out and decides to jump him with the best assortment of weapons ever. We've got one guy who's got some kind of, like hooked chain got <laughs> this guy who has a bowie knife another guy with like nunchucks yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. did you think there weren't the, nunchucks in this episode because there, there are, are. Yeah. <laughs> then another guy has like a tonfa and yep. then just the the piece de resistance is the guy who comes up and there's a pov shot of duncan getting <laughs> pepper spray <laughs> and one guy who has fists <laughs> <laughs> who's just fists of fury and, yeah and duncan is kind of getting his ass kicked by yeah. these guys he's okay until he gets pepper sprayed yeah yeah. No, no one's ready to get mace. Somebody pepper sprays him right in the face. Just drills him. It's amazing. And just yep. seeing these nerds with these like ninja yep. weapons, they are the turtles. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's like looking on as well. Like this yep. is like an office comp. Like I don't know exactly what this building. It's yeah, a big, beautiful a weird, building with a courtyard. But yeah. people are like kind of starting to gather around, like at the windows and watching what's transpiring. All these people's reaction shots are very silly and yeah. made me laugh. <laughs> So they're like, wait, what am I looking at? Yeah, yeah. The director was like, look surprised. And everyone's like, oh, like, really <laughs> oh, gracious. <laughs> the only thing that could make this scene better is how it actually ends, which yep. is the first time we ever truly see Richie do something heroic. Mm-hmm. And it is cold. So he, he, he busts through on his motorcycle and takes out two guys immediately by doing like an Akira <laughs> yes. style slide on his motorcycle. Yeah, he like goes completely horizontal on this motorcycle yeah. and just wrecks these two nerds it's awesome and then gets up and awkwardly stumbles towards one and punches him out <laughs> oh does he had he headbutts somebody with his yeah helmet, right yeah, which is yeah, awesome yeah. yeah it's like richie is all of a sudden like the last action yeah. hero yeah. And, it's... and then he takes somebody's nunchucks and starts like flailing them at people to like keep them at bay yeah i do think for the next season we should do a stan kirsch owned count yeah he's got to start at like a negative three for this yeah. though like this is some serious badassery. Yeah. Maybe the most badass we will ever see Richie be. Yep. <laughs> Aside from that time where he was bashing that guy's face into the pavement on oh, that right. one episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Over and over and yeah. over. Yeah, he hulks out on yep. that man. Duncan's like, why'd you come back? Like, And he's like, oh, I wish I could say I was like here to save you, but he's like, 
That was actually this cute blonde girl in the antique store. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess Richie was just around the corner and was like, you know what? I probably should. I'm going to go back and yeah. see if that girl's there. Uh, so luckily for Duncan. So Duncan's like, oh, like, I didn't think I'd ever be so thankful for your libido. Yeah. So that's good because Richie's libido, as we know, is in meltdown. Yeah, <laughs> meltdown. He's a virile young lover. That's true. Here's a weird thing. So the reason they stopped fighting is because everybody has now poured out of the office and is like witnessing this and telling them to stop. So like everybody kind of just stumbles away like oh nothing to see here richie goes to pick his motorcycle back up and then for some reason doesn't and also keeps the nunchucks and like puts them in his helmet <laughs> like a souvenir yeah so i hope these nunchucks come back i'm not day. sure those are street legal everywhere we finally now find out what's happened to fitz they cut to like this paris townhouse mm-hmm. which i think looks suspiciously like is that like gabriel patone's apartment oh, i think it, it might, might be. be yeah uh, i think they're using that exterior at least again um, so Fitz is like chained up in the basement and he's like, what are we playing? Dungeons and Dungeons Dragons? And Dragons. Mm-hmm. No, you're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is um, not Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so these goons show up and they shoot him in the chest with yep. a crossbow. And so the whole thing is that they're just trying to figure out if he's immortal, but like they had to shoot him. Yeah. This seems insane to me. This was a bit well, they much. Had to I... kill him, I guess. Right. I don't know. Well, they could have done what they were going to do with Tess. They could have given him a little cut and just... Well, I guess... See how it went. Maybe they felt like they had to kill him because he's he knows too much. Oh, maybe they would just want to... We're going to kill him anyway. Like, no matter yeah. what they do, like, he's either immortal and we'll kill him, or yep. we kidnap this guy, so mm. enough of that. Like, yeah. He's an immortal sympathizer. <laughs> well, and Horton's interrogating Roger Daltrey, so I could just guess you could say that in this scene, Horton hears a who. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. I'm done. <laughs> Off the podcast now. Yeah. It's too bad the mic is in a stand because you can't drop it. On yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I don't know if I should give you a hug or say fuck you. <laughs> I think you, fuck you, you is that's appropriate. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You can just hug him and then tenderly whisper in his ear, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good, Eamon. <laughs> I will be laughing. I'm still laughing about that. I can't stop laughing about that. It's very good. So we leave um, poor Roger Daltrey, who was just shot by a fucking crossbow. Did they shoot him in the heart? It's I definitely guess. like in the chest. It's yeah. not good. It's a career ender, whatever yeah. it is. So as Horton is interrogating him, this is. I kind of wish this scene was a little lighter or wasn't so kind of damning for Horton as a bad guy because he's like I wonder how much pain an immortal could do could endure before he goes mad (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay so you're just planning on torturing this man like this is like another one of those things where as we come to find out this group is trying to hunt down immortals because they're kind of usurping the authority of ordinary humans that right that life and this planet and their destiny belongs to mortals and it's wrong for immortals to we haven't talked about this topic in a while like kyle i think you brought this up on the episode the gathering the pilot where you mentioned like oh like well what do you get as the prize and i think it's mentioned in the gathering like you rule forever or whatever it is right and you were like power yeah Yeah. and you were like well i don't want like connor as my president like that doesn't even sound that hot like yeah and he's a good guy so this is i guess the logical extension of this idea is that when people found out that there may be kind of like immortal overlords over humanity that that's not cool <laughs> like yeah let's stop it and i'm very receptive to this and i wish they would let it sing a little bit more we're we're definitely thinking horton is they definitely want us to think he's kind of irredeemably evil here i think because right. of this torture stuff because they shot him in the chest with the crossbow also I, he's just a cartoon supervillain. like he's giving like evil speeches every yes. chance he gets <laughs> i kind of liked the speech Frankly, I mean, I agree it's over the top. So, I mean, we heard him give that speech in our in our opening clip, and it is really interesting. I think definitely. If I don't know if I learned that someone like even a good guy, but certainly if someone like Slan the Cat could be like my immortal right. dictator forever and ever, I'd be pretty sympathetic to what these guys are trying to do. So the the way this thing is shot, it's got like a weird almost like nazi quality to it he's like addressing his troops yeah definitely something about this actor i don't think he's up to the task of this role Mm -hmm. i i don't like him in this role i mean i would have rather seen like a grayson that actor play this character and he this guy gets a one episode i i just don't think he's very good and it kind of took me out of the episode wow 
I thought he did a, a perfectly fine job. And just speaking to like the Professor Brothers look of all these people, we come to find out that the Watchers kind of observe that these guys are a splinter group of the Watchers who... Which we know nothing about at this, this point. point. Yeah. But they observe and record Immortals and Chronicle their exploits. We've been reading the Watcher Chronicles after about half of our episodes, so on and so forth. So they're basically like librarians, right. essentially. Yeah. Like These are not soldiers. These are not law enforcement. They're not necessarily trained, which raises a big question mark on like the Tonfa fight they had. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, that it makes sense that these guys are kind of nerdy, like nebbish little guys. If that was the case, I wish they like went 100% with this guy where he's like, I'm this nerdy guy who's usually a historian but this needs to be done, and I'm going to do it. And maybe I don't revel in it like this guy is. Mm. One way or the other, I think I would have liked a little more. That's just me, though. That's interesting. Yeah, it's actually it's a little hard for me to remove myself from like knowing the rest of the character. Like, because I've seen, you know, like I remember his other episode. You sure. know what I mean? Like, and I'm used to seeing him as this character. But yeah, you do bring up an interesting point. Like, Grayson is a really great feeling. And yeah, maybe that actor would have been just like pretty great with in this how role. nefarious he is. I'm like, I wish they got somebody a little better. I don't know. <laughs> We're all just like, hmm. Now, now you've got me questioning how I feel about this guy. Yeah, but. Highlander Rewatched at gmail.com because I bet a lot of people will have thoughts on this. Well, my opinion could also change later with I, when I see more episodes with this guy. Mm. I think my my main just takeaway is this guy being like a little nerdy and like plain looking. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily intimidating in a physical sense. Yeah, he is a little, like, nondescript. Yeah, it kind of plays into, I think, what they're trying to do here a little bit. But I do wonder what this would be like with someone more imposing or overtly nefarious in this role. Hmm. Anyway. So, while this is going on, Duncan is back on the barge. Mm -hmm. And he's reading this chronicle. We we learn later it's called the Fifth Chronicle. So, this is just set up to... Duncan tells us at this point, he's like, oh, it it seems to be an ancient mythology. It's written in, like, old German that he's not familiar with. Uh, The staging of this scene is so odd. Duncan is in the front left of the the screen eating macaroni and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tess is like middle right, and Richie is center in the back, also eating. And it's like I guess they didn't know what to like. This this scene is so expository, like it yeah. doesn't really do anything, and they need the characters in the same room to do it. And maybe they didn't have a lot of time to shoot it creatively, so they're like, "Hey, how do we make this more interesting? How about all the characters will chew on disgusting food, and like, <laughs> and we'll all like like that that plays well right on TV. Like we all like to see people chew, right? <laughs> and that's it." So that's this stupid scene. <laughs> so what does he take this book to like get translated or go to the library or something? I think he himself kind of figures out how to go from ordinary German into like ancient Teutonic. He says he's going to investigate alone further. And then mm-hmm. the script, I guess this is something that was cut, a line cut. He says he was going to meet with a German professor. In the okay. Morning. So that's how he's. I guess figuring out, but uh, I also give Duncan probably hacked his way into the German it's library. German language, <laughs> language <laughs> archives. Are you hacking on your computer again? <laughs> the German language doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> Master macker hacker. So then we are introduced to Duncan's alter ego, Pirate Duncan. <laughs> oh my god! Because Duncan is in his blue suit. Yep. With a blue bandana, and he just and a leather like, vest, and a leather yeah. vest. He when just he, looks like a pirate. When he appeared in this outfit, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's a jeans pirate, and and oh, and he, and he is wearing a hoop earring as well. Yeah, like it, it's it, this all seemed very intentional to get dressed up like this. <laughs> yar, <laughs> just yar. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Richie, then I guess somebody is now watching the barge. And they discover this. So they come up with some scheme where Richie acts as a distraction by pretending to step in poop. Yep. And then hurling a brick at the car window (laughs) so that this guy gets out of the car. Richie's, like, poop monologue is hilarious. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Should we listen to some of this? Yeah. All right. Oh. Oh, man. Oh. There's always people and their dogs. I can't believe... You believe this? Again? Again? No, it always happens to me. Oh, this is disgusting. Oh, it's all time. Get this stuff off. Maybe you got a Kleenex or something. Can you believe this? Again? Headbutt. Who are you? 
So that poop monologue, that's every actor's dream, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, would you, oh, would you, oh, oh. Please, people, people, the people. Walk, walking the dogs. Ah, God. In my notes, I have a picture of Batman I drew next to that scene. Who <laughs> <laughs> Darius to Darius to Darius? <laughs> Is it Darius or Darius? Both? Yeah, I guess it depends on who says it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I always yeah. say Darius, but that makes it sound like it's like a, a dairy farm. I think that yeah, is that just our accent farm, Darius? here? Uh, dairy, dairy. We we say everything like eh, coffee. Yeah, <laughs> but Duncan says Darius. I buy it. Yeah. So after this, they move the barge. That way, this guy can't track Duncan's movements anymore. So this guy's left with no choice but to retreat back to their Dungeons and Dragons lair. And so Duncan then stalks this guy, and this guy has this is stealth check. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, and, a, it's opposed by his perception. <laughs> And he manages to make it to Horton's lair. Yeah. Uh, so this guy has no luck because once this guy gets back to, like, the HQ, Duncan, once again, like, is headbutting and yeah. beating the shit out of this guy. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Also, uh, Duncan saves the day with a drop kick. At this point, Fitz is being brought to another room in this basement, and mm-hmm. they're going to cut his head off with a guillotine. Uh, and Horton gives this kind of rousing speech to his, to his troops. So why don't we play this, and yeah. we can talk about this speech. Great mistake. I've been friends to generations of men. Your grandfathers, your great grandfathers. I've seen tyrants who have made slaves of your enemies. You ungrateful encephalopods. You are an abomination before nature and in the eyes of man. There is no glory but ours. No destiny that is not of our making. It's pretty good stuff. I don't know if I heard this right, but did Hugh just say he made slaves of his, of Horton's enemies? Is he making slaves of anyone? (laughs) He says, I've slain tyrants. And then it's a little unclear. It sounds like he says, and made slaves of your enemies. I guess he could have, like, if these tyrants are making slaves of your enemies, then why are you killing those tyrants? So he must be saying that he made slaves of their enemies. (laughs) Hugh, man, come on. I know we just listened to the clip. I can't remember what he said, but I think he was trying to say they were going to make slaves of you, but we killed these tyrants to protect mortals. But it's, it's the phrase is definitely slaves of your enemies. Write it again. mistake. I've been friends to generations of men. Your grandfathers, your great-grandfathers. I've seen tyrants who have made slaves of your enemies. Who would have made Wait, slaves of your enemies. That yeah. That's, isn't that bad? An abomination. Yeah. I guess he's just not into slavery. I guess, but it's like, they would have made slaves of your enemies. It's like, let them, I guess? Well, he's got, maybe this is, he's got a moral high ground here. I guess, that's just a confusing sentence. It is confusing. Mm. Well, mm. hey, I've done something constructive for your enemies. Yeah. Here's another weird thing. So, uh, Fitz is very concerned about mortals taking his head because his quickening won't go to anybody. Is he wondering, like, do did they, did they want his power? Do like, they kind of know how the game works and... Is he saying, like, oh, like, if you do this, there's no good, like, you won't get anything, so why do it? Maybe. Mm. I, I feel yeah. like he's even more concerned about just dying and nobody getting all of his information, which is an interesting point to me. Like, is that a concern for an immortal? Well, I guess maybe there's some sense in which you, like, live on through the person who killed you. Like, they, right. if, you, if they do, in fact, have, like, your memories and knowledge, mm-hmm. you're kind of become a part of them. Though that's never really fully explained. But he does really specifically say here like all that i am will be lost like all my power and knowledge will be gone yeah he makes a good case for you know not killing him yeah i think he made he killed tyrants who would have made slaves of your enemies (laughs) (laughs) so at this point hugh gets the buzz and he i guess is assuming duncan is coming so he starts stalling, I guess, hoping that Duncan will save him in time. So he yep. starts asking for, like, a last request and all this. Let's take a puff of his pipe. Uh, they're not really into that, though. Well, here's, here's what it's, it's like. Oh, can I get our last request? And the guy's like, no. And he's like, oh, come on. And he's like, okay, what is it? And he's like, can I have a sip, puff of my pipe? And he's like, no. So I'm like, why'd you ask him what it was? <laughs> so Duncan comes in and he starts drop-kicking drop kicking everybody. <laughs> yep. There's nunchucks that are thrown. 
Yeah, and Dun- Duncan kept Richie's nunchucks and used it against them. That's good. Uh-huh, turnabout is fair play. <laughs> and then he plays a game of Ring Around the Rosie with these guys. They like he like runs up the stairs and jumps down a couple times, yep. and like people just keep chasing him. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so he messes these guys up. Pop goes the Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> But once again, non-lethal police weapons save the day as Horton tases him. Another mm-hmm. weapon to add to the list in the, this yeah. episode's arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> taser. Oh, this Ninja Turtle episode. <laughs> Wait, which one of the Ninja Turtles used the taser? I'm assuming it was Donnie because he does machines, but whatever. That's true. <laughs> so Duncan um, takes his sword out and cuts the taser line. And he starts asking Horton, like, why are you doing this? What's the big deal? Like, we're not really your enemy. Then Horton says, well, it's the prize. He doesn't say the prize, but the prize is basically why he's doing this. Mm -hmm. Also, side note, during this whole fight, we missed a couple of great moments during this. The best one being when a guy just leaps out in front of the camera with two knives. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he, like, points points both the knives, like, at the camera. Yeah. It reminded me of Big Trouble Little China. Pretty much everything Kurt Russell does in that movie. Yeah. (laughs) He's always just jumping in front of the camera and accomplishing nothing. (laughs) And it's great. Uh, That's basically what happens. And then at one point, I think it's actually the same guy is holding Duncan. He's got him in, like, a, his special move, yeah. a full Nelson. Yep. And Horton accidentally cuts this guy's throat with yep. Duncan's sword. <laughs> yeah, Duncan, like, does a duck, and then this guy gets his head chopped. Yeah, Not like, off, oldest though. trick in the book, ducking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so at, uh, Duncan kicks Horton, and Horton kind of just runs away Yep. at this point. And so Duncan's able to save... Hugh, who's very happy, and he also he thinks that the women of the world will be quite happy as well yeah. that he has been saved. Much like Gabriel Patone. So there's a trend here in Duncan's friendships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Duncan has an interesting line where he's kind of berating Horton here. He's like, you, you kill us and you hunt us, but you want us to play by like your rules and show you mercy. Because Horton, Horton kind of becomes a blubbering coward at this yeah. moment. Yeah. This is one of those things that doesn't quite read well for the character. He's apparently just very cowardly and you just saw him kill one of his own guys remorselessly Mm -hmm. and then he's just like "Eh, please don't kill me but horton lives to fight another day and gets away yeah so then we've kind of got the uh, the denouement of this episode we wrap up back on the barge and duncan is giving a eulogy to darius um also interesting thing here is just just to go back a little bit when they're at the church him and fitz decide not to tell the police they're like let's not tell anybody for a couple days like let's figure this out like they won't discover he's missing for a while so like i don't know i I guess i'm a little concerned about how they mixed about how they cremated him. yeah Yeah. exactly exactly (laughs) what do they have like a drive-through kind of crematorium where you can just bring a body by and like uh tess has got a kill yeah (laughs) i guess she might yeah that's a great point keith (laughs) thank you <laughs> yeah, they kind of gloss by, like, do they ever report that to anybody? <laughs> also, maybe I'm being picky here. Us being picky? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like there's enough ashes for a human being. Like, Duncan, like, tosses out a couple handfuls, and the jar is just empty. Well, well he's maybe, been snacking on it all day. <laughs> maybe, they just, maybe they just burn his head. That was all they had? They just burn yeah. his head? They're like, I don't want to drag his whole body around. It's, I got a cooler here. I'll just put his head in there. <laughs> well, if they had to do, a, a, like, a backstreet cremation yo how much is an illegal cremation gonna run me uh, we'll all right just do the head then yeah <laughs> uh let's play this clip of duncan's eulogy <laughs> yeah following that a very tender eulogy oh boy 1500 years ago you led an army of barbarians to the gates of paris You disbanded your army and spared the city. But you broke a promise to yourself. You marched west from the old mountains until you'd reached the sea. That is like a cup of ashes. <laughs> that is it. 
can even bake a cupcake with that. No, oh my gosh. Mm. So that's sad. I, I do like the end of this episode. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I feel like actually throughout this episode, like, we, we haven't talked too much about, like, there, there is a lot of, like, I think pretty good emotional performances from Tess, Duncan, all these people. And, I mean, I, I would perhaps think that, like, the death of Warius, Warius, uh, Darius is weighing on the characters, but probably also it's it's an odd thing for all these people to be shooting, having just found out that, like, one of their co-stars is dying. Right. Um, it kind of speaks to that level as well, which I think is makes it extra poignant, um, especially if you know kind of the backstory. So here's kind of a random thought, because uh, obviously Duncan wastes all of Horton's goons, but Horton still gets away with the power of tasers. Uh, <laughs> if they had just flipped the switch on that guillotine, they would have housed Duncan, right? Because then, because now Duncan's in the area, so he would have gotten the quickening. So while he's like, writhing around and drinking Fitz's soul like they could have just walked up and taken his head too yep so if they had just done what they planned on doing instead of like trying to play whack-a-mole with Duncan yeah they would have won probably yeah. it's like uh, if you had actually just done what you wanted to do the entire time you would win also pirate Duncan strikes again yeah it's weird that none of the the hunters have a sword. I mean, I know that one guy has that bladed weapon a yeah, sword you think they might, might be have good more swords to have to cut these immortals heads off yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they've got pepper spray how much pepper spray do you think it would take to decapitate someone <laughs> a lot <laughs> would you have to spray their neck or are we just disintegrating their head very slowly i think from the eyes inward <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so the watcher chronicles for this episode hugh fitzcairn uh, he was born in 1190 in Sussex, England, and his first death was in 1224. He was skewered by a jealous husband, which is, I think, pretty funny and plays into his character. Yeah. Although the only thing that's a little weird is he's 34 years old. No, yeah. he isn't. <laughs> uh, Roger Daltrey is 48 years old at the time of this taping. So. <laughs> Great. thought that was a little funny. Yeah, sometimes they're a little careless, I think, in the Watcher Chronicles, yeah. like, of people's ages. And also something else I thought that was interesting, uh, one of the Chronicles is about that flashback that Fitz and Duncan have to 1639. The writer refers to the Highlander and the uh, Inglis uh, and calls him an Inglis. Uh, hmm. So, I mean, we, we talked to, like, it's like, why is Duncan called a Highlander? Like, he's referred to as the where he came from. Uh, but in this instance, the Chronicle refers to Hugh as an Inglis, hmm. uh, which would be someone from England. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Interesting. So is that, like, a term? I've never heard that. I've never heard that term. It's either. an old one, I think. Hmm. So I Ye thought that was interesting. Inglis. Uh, and then just a weird note I wanted to mention, uh, in my notes on this episode, I type them on my computer, and so I always have lots of weird autocorrect things that pop up in my notes, like, Duncan is often changed to dunce, <laughs> which sometimes is very fitting, uh, but uh, Horton was constantly being corrected to hot rod, <laughs> which I thought was good. So, um, in general, I, I like this episode uh, well enough. Uh, it, it does have, like, a lot of campy elements to it, but... Uh, also, it's, I, like I mentioned earlier, it's hard for me to kind of maybe step back from this episode a little bit because, like, I know the character of Horton. I know his many other appearances. Uh, and I do like this plot thread a lot. But I'm curious if, yeah, it, it, it is maybe a little clunky of an episode with a lot of cartoon violence. I give this episode a huge pass on that. I'm going to say I, I kind of love it, actually. I think that the introduction of this group of mortals is a huge step forward for the series like it i think it needed it needed a persistent threat that was not just a freak of the week immortal kind of story this really provides that i also think the kind of intellectual underpinnings behind horton's crusade are kind of fascinating and interesting i kind of wish he was less evil than he was as i mentioned before i think this is big it's like a big step forward also seeing the way this lays the groundwork for future episodes this gets too big thumbs up i think what do you think Eamon? i was a little let down by it i was expecting a little more um this episode was also written in 24 hours so considering that i mean hugh was really good and i'm looking forward to seeing more of him yeah he's um, maybe my favorite part of this episode he's it's great like roger daltrey yeah. crushes it and yep yeah and the fights were were fun I was just maybe a little disappointed as a season finale, but yeah. again, there are some circumstances behind that. Uh, so this is so we're actually this is the the last episode of season one, but that doesn't mean we're done here. We're still rewatching and doing other things. Uh, so what we're going to do is next week we're going to do like a kind of a bonus episode next week um that's going to be kind of like a season roundup we're going to i don't know put together some fun lists we're going to do it to it yep 
We are going to have it all laid out for you folks. Uh, You're going to have a Mac attack next week, folks. <laughs> uh, we're going to be recapping our thoughts on on this season of Highlander, counting off some of our most favorite and least favorite moments, as well as, you know, getting back into a couple issues that we wish would have gotten a little more attention the first time around. Yep. Not to mention, we have a very special interview coming up with someone intimately involved with the filming of this show. We hope you'll be able to join us for that. Yeah, we're, we're really, we're on a hot streak now. I mean, that's, we got bonus episodes, interviews, and then the movie, which I'm really excited about. So, and maybe some more interviews for that guy too. So, yeah, we're really excited to talk about the first movie. If you have any comments on the movie, start thinking about them now. Send them to us. We might be able to. Yeah, we'll we come on air when we get into that. Definitely. Yeah, or, or if you have stuff you want us to tackle or interesting trivia you know, let us know because we, we don't know everything here. We try to do as much research as we can, but the Highlander universe is vast and... And we are so small. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh, again, it's HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com if you want to uh, send us an email. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. Uh, and definitely write us a review on iTunes. That helps spread the word about Highlander. And thanks for listening. My name is... My name is... Thanks. What? Ticky <laughs> 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 ticky. <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. I'm Kyle. Amen. Bye bye. Later. Bye. So they go back to they're they're going to go back to Hugh's hotel room to look for his notes from his conversation with Thackeray because mm-hmm. he takes notes when he has like phone conversations. With sure. People. Well, maybe, maybe it's complicated. He needs. I to guess so. Some things. Maybe he's like former president. In- former president lyndon baines johnson who i believe recorded every phone conversation he ever had i think you're right yeah he's just like that so you know about history yeah i knew that he also enjoyed hager slacks because his nuts felt comfortable right (laughs) (laughs) this is recorded on an interview (laughs) (laughs) oh that guy oh for our international listeners uh LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, was a president of ours who had rumored a giant... <laughs> Weenus? I think testicles. Oh. And his balls. <laughs> <laughs> he had to get specially made pants or a very special brand of pants that had a lot of ball room. <laughs> also, it's kind of funny because he was not known for being a particularly brave man in life. <laughs> Apparently when he was in school, he used to challenge people to fights and talk a big game and then just like flail wildly at them and go like, eh. So, LBJ, interesting character to say the least.